Hi everyone, welcome to Beer Cake. I'm your host, JJ Co. You can find Beer Cake with JJ Co on anchor.fm and Spotify. And you could follow Beer Cake podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and YouTube. And today, my guest is my very good friend, Don Helwig. Hi, Don. Hey, JJ. Happy Tuesday. Uh, happy Tuesday. Well, we're recording this on Tuesday, but it's going to be aired oh, on Friday. So, happy Friday. So, no, it's fine. <laughs> How's it going? You know what? It's going well. It's like a beautiful sunny morning this morning here in California. And so I'm very thankful and had a pretty good night's sleep. My morning Java. So I'm feeling pretty good. Your morning Java? Is that coffee? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're a coffee drinker. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I, I am. I hardly drink coffee. Every oh. every once in a while, I I drink. Um, I used to be a huge Coke fiend. Uh, that's mm. Coke in as in Coca Cola, not you know, the right. white powdery stuff. <laughs> Although <laughs> they are both stimulants, but you know, <laughs> I mean, legal illegal. <laughs> I mean Coca Cola. I used to drink that thing like crazy. Um, oh no way! Oh yeah, no, it's terrible. Uh, yeah, but um, and then you know, once you start drinking, like I think there were some days when I would drink that like I drink water. You know, every time I'm thirsty, I would drink a can no. of Coke. Yeah, no, it was terrible. And um, it was like maybe four, or five, six cans a day, which is like KJ. I know. I know. This, is, this is back when I used to be able to handle my sugar better. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy! No, now now when I want something uh, bubbly, I just drink seltzer, which is yeah, yeah, which is oh. far better. Yeah, but you know, I I want that carbonation sometimes. You know, I like, know. Gotta have carbonation. I I'm a I'm a huge Pellegrino fan. I love my sparkling water. Oh, a yeah. little bit of lime. Yeah, lime's good. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you can actually make like a virgin mojito with sparkling water. Yeah, you know, oh. get some lime and mint and a little bit of sugar. And oh, or actually, you good. could make it without sugar too, and just put some sparkling water. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, note to self: come visit, have mojitos. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You've you've never been to New York yet, right? Not to spend time with you. No, I mean I've been for work in the past. And oh, that's right. Like family trips, but to come have mojitos, not have not done that with JJ. Well, you gotta come. Uh, right. When when things calm down. Oh, they're I just would come out anyhow. I would. Who cares? I'd mask and all, and just come right on out. I don't know. I, I'm afraid of traveling. Um, I because you know you're you're kind of like stuck in an enclosed space with other people, yeah. and you know. But that's that's how you get exposed is yeah. when you're sharing space with people. Yeah. So I, since the lockdown started, I have not ridden the subway or the bus. I rode the train once, just once, and that's the okay. you know the the metro um the commuter train uh -huh. um i had to go to bayside so i don't know if you know new york geography but anyway i i had to go about i don't know a few stops on the local um commuter train okay. I, but it was practically empty so it was fine and yeah. it was only like what 
five, ten minutes max. So yeah, yeah. But anyway, oh. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I we're the opposite. I've flown places. I've been on the train. I feel like I'm at big of a risk when we were out of toilet paper and paper towels and sanitizing wipes at Costco than I would be if I was actually flying somewhere. So my focus would be mojitos with JJ. Okay, I could do this. (laughs) Wait, you you flown after the lockdown? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, Oh, where'd you go? Last year, I went to Arizona. It was my niece's birthday. And then my nephew and his um, girlfriend were celebrating owning their first home together. And so I just thought, I'm not going to let this get in the way of me spending time with family. And really, everyone else in the family is a little fearful of flying. So when I think about that, it's like my daughter, my son-in-law, you know, my son, they'll, they'll hate me for saying, well, my son-in-law, not so much. He's like flown to China, but my daughter and my son. So they all drove over and I surprised them when I showed up. They didn't think I was coming in. And that made it even more fun. I just thought, I'm on a mission. I can do this. Who gives a care? I could run into somebody at the market as easy as I could here on a plane. So I went. Well, okay. Well, and uh, no, you didn't get infected nope. or anything. Came out clean. Nope. That's good. That's good. I'm right? sure everyone is being much more careful, uh, you know, since the pandemic started. But still, yeah. like, um, yeah, I have an elder, elderly mother living with me. So I'm like, yeah, I'm you extra, careful. extra careful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, make sure like, because, you know, if I get exposed and I expose her and yeah, it's, uh, it's just not good. No, I, I mean, I have a lot of friends who've been exposed. I have friends of mine whose family members have as well. And I just think, yes, there's a virus and you need to be careful. But so far for me, choo, you know, all is well. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, actually, one, one thing about you is that you're very conscientious about your health. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things I admire about you, too, because I <laughs> don't take care of my health very well. I'm I'm actually not very good about, uh, you know, eating right, sleeping right, exercising right. <laughs> or doing... Well, here, it's not that I don't do it as I do it, but I also do like all the bad stuff, too, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, I eat healthy, but I also eat a lot of junk. <laughs> oh, well, I I love my junk. Don't get me wrong. We had junk last night. I had friends over, and then some of their daughters came with them, and we had some pretty lovely five-flavor potato chips. We had little mini chocolate chip ice cream cones. I mean, it. I even though I put carrots and snap peas out with a little yogurt dip, <laughs> The junk went first and it's like, I feel like, all right, junk is okay. Cause now I'm going to get out there and I'm going to get a run in or I'm going to do a workout. Yeah. So, but you're very good about that. Um, I think, I think for me, like the biggest enemy is consistency or lack thereof. Right. And, and that's the thing, right. Is like, you're not, if you're not consistent about it, uh, then, you know, even if you don't do like, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. How many hours a day do you exercise? Probably about an hour and a half, I'd say, between my run and the, there's a whole gym set up now in my garage. Thanks nice. to my son. He, it's pretty impressive. Um, I, I honestly have a hard time working out with a mask on. And so I've had my membership on freeze because I just feel like 
that to me isn't healthy. I so this workout in the gym is pretty cool. I, and the thing that's neat is when the garage doors open, the neighbors walk by. So I'm still getting that people impact. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Maybe they could stay out on the sidewalk while you're doing that. Follow along with you. You could be teaching a sidewalk class. <laughs> you know what? I taught aerobics for like eight years. So that was the whole thing. My, he was funny. My son was just like, mom, just like start doing that again. I said, Jared, I need to get recertified. There's more to it than just, Hey, I'm just going to do this in my garage. But yeah, it's a thought. It's a thought. My membership it- would be cheap here. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm sure some there are some people who are willing to pay for, you know, like a, a small group um, class yeah. or a private lesson or, or something. Yeah, in your garage. Or or they can't come into the garage. They have to stay out on the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is years ago, um, I used to do personal training out of the garage. And I did it like that whole holistic body, mind, spirit. And I would work with people who like wanted to lose weight and we're dealing with different things like emotionally and then the physical part and we'd wrap them all together. And it was neat because we would do stuff in the garage and then we would walk and I would tell, you know, remind them every step you take forward, you're getting further away from the things you want to leave behind and closer to what your, you know, your goals are, not just physically, but emotionally and maybe, you know, financially, spiritually, whatever. I loved it. It was awesome. So every now and then I think, huh, that can be cool to start that up again. Yeah. Um, so going back to the consistency, I think, um, so you, you put in an hour and a half a, a day. Every That's every day, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I think even if you did like 10 minutes a day, that's still better than nothing yes, a day, right? Start small. Right, exactly. And 10 minutes a day is also better than like hour and a half once a week. Right. Right. Yeah. Because right. it's really yeah, the it's consistency. consistency. It's really the consistency that builds up over time, builds up that um, that uh, benefits over time. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like compound interesting. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if previous you understand. Bankers. Can you tell previous bankers? <laughs> If you understand, I, I, I don't know if I would call myself a banker. I think you were more on the banking side than I was. Finance. I, yeah, no, I, I was never on the finance side. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I was always in like, you know, uh, corporate philanthropy. Oh, corporate there you go. Responsibility, yeah. Uh, communications, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I was never on the on the finance side of things. But I do understand compound interest. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Um, I actually, the first time I learned about compound interest, I think I was in like high school or something. And um, it must have been like economics class, you know, I, I don't remember. Um, but, uh, you know, they were trying to explain it. And um, the first time I learned about it, I actually did not get it. And I'm like, wait, how does that work? And, uh, but I mean, I eventually understood what it, you know, how compound interest works. Uh, but, um, but anyway, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get it at first. So anyway, long, long preamble, a <laughs> long <laughs> roundabout way of saying, so if you understand compound interesting, so go little bit, even if it's 10 minutes a day, yeah. goes a long way if you do it consistently over a long period of time. Yes. Plus you're forming good habits. Yes. Uh, which is great because you and I are both reading 
this book called Atomic Habits. Yes, by we are. James Clear. Correct. Um, yeah, and it's a great book. And this, I was thinking about that um, earlier today, and there was there's one statement in there that just, um, oh, what was it? It was brilliant, and and it was such a poignant point that stuck with me. And of course, now that I'm trying to remember it, I can't remember. It, that happens every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it could have been the part too about where it was like, if you do it today and you just do it for a minute, that's okay. And then you do it again tomorrow for a minute, you start building up that consistency and your habits. And then the next thing you know, you're enjoying it so much and you're so proud of yourself for what you're doing that you start adding time and then you really start seeing the benefits to that. Yeah, and the thing is, um, it, it does take time though, because, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it may take weeks, it may take months, and maybe even years, depending on what it is that, you know, what uh, the behavior is that you're trying to ingrain. Right. Um, yeah, but so, so it is like a marathon, it's oh. a segue. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, it is like a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, and um, and and actually, it's it's you know, uh, it's something you know, um, and it's not a so marathon. Here, here's the thing: marathon ends after twenty six miles, right? That's that's it. Twenty six point two. Okay, twenty six point two miles. <laughs> that's your compound interest. <laughs> So 26.2 miles. So after you're done, but it is, it is a race. So there is a finish line, but I think when it comes to life habits, uh, and, uh, life things, uh, the finish line is when you're, when you're gone, you know, like, cause it's something that you do all your life. Right. Yeah. You know what can be applied different ways too, though? Because if you're considering like marathon mentality and you're only looking at it from a mileage standpoint, you do hit that finish line. But once you do, then there's everything that follows that. And that was the part that I realized. It was just like, oh my gosh, it was going to have your body stretched out afterwards because you were in so much pain. It was the ice baths that followed. It was realizing that you've done something like that and then how can you apply those principles to your life? And then what does that look like? Because you know, you're always shooting towards different goals. And when I would think about it, I think my goal, kind of like what you're saying is get to the end of my life and look back and know that I had done the things I needed to during my lifetime, given myself permission to pause at those moments, even hit some of those spots that were kind of painful because those were all things I encountered during my first marathon. Um, yeah, and actually, uh, just to clarify, when I say, um, you know, you don't hit the finish line until at the end of your life, I don't mean that that's the only time that you actually see right. <laughs> what you've accomplished. No, I mean that. <laughs> right, right. There are these uh, milestones, mile markers, like, yes. know, along the way. Your yes, first mile, are. mile four. <laughs> Apparently, uh, I think the mile four or, or the last four miles is a critical period, too. In a marathon. Oh my gosh, the last four miles. I, I think about it for myself because I have a friend of mine, the two of us did this together and neither one of us trained for it. Oh, you imagine now we're at like mile 22. It hurts so bad. And the furthest I had ever run was seven miles. So here I am at mile 22 and I just like thought, how am I going to do this? And it was funny because she was saying, if we hurry, we can make it to church. 
And I looked at her and I said, uh, how fast would we have to run if that happened? And she's like, oh, we need to do at least a 12 minute mile. And I said, um, I'm sorry, but we haven't done a 12 minute mile the whole time. It was crazy. But the thing that I love about it is like, no matter what, you know, there's always something that is provided for you when you least expect it. I had to use the restroom at mile 23. And we crossed a bridge in Los Angeles and there was a laundromat, but we had no change to go and use the restroom. And I'll never forget a lady there saying, looking at us and look, I'm sure I looked like I was going to die. And she was just like, she, what I believe was her last quarter. She put that in so I can go in and use the laundromat's restroom. Like I was never so thankful. I started crying. Thank you. I, I was going to hug her, but I don't want to like <laughs> destroy her <laughs> afternoon. But it was just like, what an unexpected moment. And it was just pretty cool. But so, yes, they are the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I find that um, that's also something that I kind of need to do better about. Like, so um, I've done... So I, I mean, I do exercise sometimes. I, I do like running, uh-huh. um, although I, 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 I think the longest I run is two miles. <laughs> That's okay. That's good. <laughs> That's the longest I've done. That's a lot. Um, but anyway, and I run very slow too. I think I think I probably okay. w- walk faster than than I run. But anyway. Um, yeah, and so let's say like you know when I do run, I'll say like okay, I'm gonna do six laps or however many laps you know it is, or sometimes I do it by mile. Although the place where I run doesn't really have a mile marker, um, I do do a um, one of those um, uh, step tracker. Uh, oh sometimes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so that that actually helps to see. Like how much I actually run. But anyway, let's say, you know, the goal is, you know, one mile. Uh, that last quarter mile, the last like 10th, you know, yeah. uh, one tenth mile is like, for some reason, like my body wants to give oh, up. Oh, my body so wants to give up just before. I'm like, all I have to do is do one more minute. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's like, but for some reason... And there's the, you know, I'm envisioning a finish line. There's a finish line right there. And right. for some reason, like, I just want to stop, you know. Yeah. And it's terrible. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I haven't even been running that long. You know, it's like, you know, yeah, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, <laughs> or however long I take to run a mile. Yeah. I always think of, like, a special treat that I'm going to give myself at the end. So... There's areas down by the beach, they call it the wetlands down by Huntington Beach, where you can go. There's tons of people out, especially right now, you know, during lockdown, they, they want to be somewhere out in the air and there's beautiful trails and it can be anywhere from five miles to 10 miles, just depending. Um, and so that's one of the things that I do. And then afterwards we'll go like, oh, I'll stop at a coffee shop, have a special little coffee and a pastry, like always thinking of that fun so yesterday I did a run walk with one of my friend's daughters and we did five miles and it felt so good. And then we could justify last night's kind of junk food, if you will. <laughs> yeah. So I always try to think of like, what's my end reward? That's yeah. I reward. Yeah. I, and I think, um, you know, 
giving yourself those um, interim rewards. I mean, because the ultimate reward is you have a healthier body, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the ultimate reward. Uh, yeah. But in between, you know, satisfying or giving yourself a little bit of treat or, or something to satisfy, I don't know. My reward also, I mean, the primary one I shoot for is how many steps. I wear a Fitbit. I have it in right now, my little clip-on. And my goal is to hit 10,000 steps every day. So yesterday, last night when I went to bed, I was at like 15.5. And that was awesome. Sunday, I was at like 18. So already this morning, I really could take another 20 steps and I already have three days worth. Now, of course, I'm not going to let that happen. I think of it as like my little bank account for steps. Um and then I just try to save them up. And I think when I get up to walk somewhere, I walk the longer way around, maybe inside the house or just things like that that helps add up because I know that I'm doing something good for my heart. Yeah, yeah. So going back to the marathon mentality, as you yeah. uh, as you uh, coined the term, um, and you said there, there are things, there are ways to apply that to your life. So it's not just about running. It's not just about no. um, even like... Um, fitness it's about no. you know it's about life so yeah tell me um talk a little bit more about that what is marathon mentality sure well you know what after i did that first marathon jg i realized i had done something that felt like it was impossible but i believed i could do it and the, the crazy part was i thought all right if i can't run 26.2 i know i can walk it so i set my myself you know my mindset up with i can do this no matter what even though it doesn't seem logical. And then when I had people telling me like, you're crazy, who would do that, blah, blah. I thought, okay, all right, all the more reason. Once you feel it in your gut, you wanna to stick to it. And so I thought about those times in life where some of the things I had chose to do, or maybe other people didn't really think it was like, this. are you kidding, who would do that? And then I thought, oh my gosh, as I realized and I started doing incremental steps to get closer to what my goal was for the marathon, I realized this is like what life is. You get up in the morning, maybe you have a full day, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Can I do it? Am I sure I can do it? Mm -hmm. um, or you hit different times in your life where you think, gosh, right now, this is kind of challenging for me. I don't know if I can do this. And then you realize, yes, I can. You know what? There are other people along my journey they're they're out there doing the same thing keep my eye on what the prize is the prize is crossing that finish line are there going to be challenging moments along the way yes those different mile markers that you hit those sense of accomplishment um people that you don't even know that are cheering from the sideline for you as you're running by i'll never forget i had somebody like go dawn and i thought how do they know me it's because well my name was on my bed hello <laughs> i mean that would have been but I didn't think about things like that. So making sure that I, one of the things I think is not getting so caught up in myself and what's going on, but to be fully aware of who and, and what's going on around me so that I have those magical moments that I meant to share with others that could be a source of encouragement to them that I don't even realize. So, so let's take a pause a little bit, going back to your first point. Uh, so uh, doing, doing the impossible, the improbable or, or whatever, um, you know, something that you never thought you could do, but so is it that, um, you don't know if you could do it, but you're doing it anyway, or is it that, um, you know, you can't do it, but, uh, you sort of motivate yourself 
to believe that you can do it. Yeah, it's that it's impossible to do. Um, it, it felt like, what, what am I doing? Who would even think to do this? I mean, it's 26.2 miles. And what part of my mind and my right mind would I say? My, my kids were mortified. Like my daughter, mom, really? She worked in cardiology. Really, mom, do you realize the risk that you're taking in doing something like that? I said, but I believe in myself I can do it. And so I'm going to. And I'll, I'll never forget going to a book signing by a gentleman who does ultra marathons, um, Dean Carnassi. And of course, you could tell looking at me, I was, didn't look like a runner. Not everybody does on a marathon. I promise you that. You but do look I like remember. a runner, actually. Wow. Yeah. No, you do look like a runner. He looked at me and he was like, are you training for something? And I said, well, I'm running LA Marathon on, on this weekend coming up. And he goes, oh, and he kind of smiled. And then inside my book, he wrote, run strong and run long. You can do anything when you put your mind to it. And I was so taken by that. So at night I would read his signature autograph to me. And I thought I, I can do this. I have one person other than my crazy friend who thinks that I can, you know, that this can happen. And so I started just applying that principle. It doesn't matter if it's outrageous or not. If it's in my gut and if it's in my heart and my head starts to follow, yeah, I can do this. Okay. So, so it's really about, um, it doesn't matter how difficult something is or how, uh, I don't know, far-fetched or, or yeah, how, however difficult it is, uh, that if you believe in yourself, then you can do it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so it, it also sounds a little bit like, um, cause there were people around you who thought you were crazy for even trying oh, you yeah. know, to run a marathon, but despite that, uh, almost in spite of that, <laughs> Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You have a little bit of a rebel, you know, streak uh, in you. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that if somebody told you like, no, you can't do this. Don't even try it. You're like, okay, I'm going to show you. Yeah. That's very, very, very true. <laughs> One of the guys I work with was just like Don, seriously. And I said, look, if I have to walk it, I will. It's about crossing the finish line. It's, and, and I remember on part of the race route, there was like, they call them med beds and they're like little golf carts. And they have this group of teenagers, teens run LA, students run LA. And there was a couple of teens on there. And I thought, oh my goodness, it, no matter what age you're at, you have to have that mindset. And, and then I thought, God, if they, if they can't do it, what am I trying to do? I got to be crazy. And then I just thought, I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but here's the thing. Who do you listen to? Because uh, obviously you had friends who were encouraging you and saying, you know, you can do this. And then you have, you know, people around you who are saying like, you know, don't even try it. Don't do it. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you haven't. And, and just, just put some context in it. The first marathon that you ran, you actually did not train for it at all. Correct. Okay. But, but, uh, by then you were already into fitness, right? So you did exercise every day. Yeah. I, okay. I mean, I, I taught aerobics. I, um, ran for just good stress relief. Um, it was more about what it did for my mind than it was my body. 
Right. So I had been physically active probably for about six to seven years, eight years leading up to it. Okay. So it's not like you're starting from absolute cold. Right. It's not yeah. like I just got up off the couch one day and said, I'm going to run a marathon. Yeah. Okay. So for those who are listening, like, don't do that. Like if you've never <laughs> have done anything physically in your, in your entire life, <laughs> the next thing you do, don't, don't run a marathon. So Don, you, you have been... So in a sense, like, you know, you've, you've been doing aerobics and you, you know, uh, you did run for, for your own pleasure, just not like the, the proper training a marathoner right. would go through. Or uh, the distance. Or the distance. Right. Yeah. I mean, I did like a lot of 5Ks for the American Heart Association. Um, you know, we used to do aerobathons when I taught aerobics and you'd go for 24 hours and everyone would take turns doing different hours within the day to earn a lot of money. So I had done things like that, but that distance, I mean, you know, when you're a good marathon runner, you can run it in three to four hours. It took me seven and a half hours for my first I mean, we're going along the stations where they had water and bananas and oranges and, and there was like nothing. And I was just all, oh, God, keep going, Don. You can do this. You know, we, we encourage each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I don't run a marathon, but I know several people who do. And so yeah. I have heard stories from them. So one of the stories was like the last four miles is actually the toughest. Oh, um, terrible. Yeah, that last leg. I don't know why it's four uh, miles, not the last mile or the last, but I heard that it's the last four miles. Uh, that's significant for some reason. And so, <clears throat> so what, what sometimes people will do is they'll ask friends who are runners yeah. to like find them at that, you know, last four mile uh, mark and then run alongside them. And they're, you know, friends who would do that for, for their friends. Um, and I'm like, oh yeah, and, you know, so you're running along with them and, uh, and you're cheering them on and, and that's, uh, actually that makes all the difference. Um, and that was yeah. one of your points too. Yes. Well, and what's crazy is, um, in my former job, I, there was an associate that was part of the international, um, job, you know, transfer. And so he came from Japan. He lived in the United States for, almost two to three years, he stayed much longer on his assignment than they expected. And it was always his dream to run the marathon. And so based on what his mileage was, how fast he could go, I had another coworker and uh, of mine and I go down to the LA marathon and set up a big, huge banner, you know, go, go. Yeah. And we had all this stuff and he was so surprised by that. And he only thought we would show up that one time, but we waited until longer to your point, you know, as it gets closer to the end, it's not that easy. And so, you know, there we were about mile 17 or 18, we showed up again and he was just had tears and he was so thankful. And he said that helped him get past the last end of it because it isn't easy, especially at the end. I had one guy one time go, come on, you could do it. Come on, you know, we're going to crush this. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to crush you. Go away. <laughs> I can barely breathe. <laughs> Wait, why? But why? He's, he's encouraging you. <laughs> I know. But it was like at the point two, I only had point two left to go. And I felt like, 
if someone could just push me across, I'd be so thankful. <laughs> and I, you know, I think it was like my own medicine coming back at me, you know, being an encourager. And there he was, come on, you can do it. And I was like, oh, I don't hear you right now. <laughs> but he did, it really helped encourage me. And then I thanked him after we crossed. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, so, but in life though, do you have, yeah. uh, I mean, cause in a marathon, it's a public event, it's a sporting right. event, and, and you have people, uh, fans and, you know, uh, spectators lining up along, all right. along the way, cheering people on. Um, uh, but in life you don't always have that, right? No, you don't. And you know, what comes to mind when you mention that JJ is, my dad had uh, become brain damaged due to a complication of surgery. And when I first found out about it, he was in um, Hawaii. He was on his honeymoon. And so they had to wait for his oxygen levels to subside to a safe place before they could fly him back. And when they flew him back, he was in a special brain um, you know, hospital just for brain damage. And that's where I realized that marathon mentality came in to play was I didn't really know any of the other people around. Um, you know, yes, he was married, but it happened on his honeymoon and they had only dated for three months. So I was very unfamiliar with, you know, his wife. Um, and, and what I found was the other people that were there, other um, family members, other patients. And so as he progressed, he got to leave the one um, facility and go to a specialized unit within a hospital that's well known, St. Jude Hospital. And, and then that was the next step in it. And so when some days I would go to visit him, he wouldn't want to really visit with me and he couldn't help it. He couldn't speak. He didn't understand things. He was in a coming out of a coma and was becoming more aware. And so when that would be discouraging for me, or I would feel really sad, I would then stop in and visit another person and maybe whose family members live far away or couldn't be there. And then when he progressed from St. Jude and went to an assisted care facility, then I became friends with like the nurses and the doctors and then other patients who would like, I'd go to see him and he'd be, my dad would be angry at me and he would hit me because he'd want to get up or he was frustrated. He couldn't talk. And then I would think, well, that's not a good feeling. I just worked eight hours and I climbed all the way up the stairs to the fifth floor to your room today because I'd get my steps in, right? <laughs> <laughs> I would stop and go visit with another patient. And to this day, there's still two guys and a lady that I stayed in touch with from all those years ago. He passed in 2002 and it happened in 98. So I applied the marathon mentality to that. Um, it was devastating to see that happen to someone you love. And that journey became about what mile marker at we at and who else is on the journey that I may not be aware of. Oh, that's very interesting. Okay. So yes. So you may feel like um, that there are not people around you to right. help cheer you along. But if you are the person who cheers other people along, then that's in a way yeah. that reciprocates. Even yeah. It, even if it's not the same person reciprocating, it, it just, it does come back to you in other yeah. ways. Yeah. Well, and, and I think too was um, just popped in my head was the day that I found out um, that it happened when I flew to Hawaii, I, the only flight I could get was like a late red eye and the lady sitting next to me 
was this amazing woman. And I was so distraught over the news. I really couldn't barely speak. I was looking out the window. Obviously, she could tell I was crying. And so she reached out to me at a point where I felt like maybe it was mile 26 and there was only 0.2 left. Mm. And she said, asked what happened. And when I shared with her, she said, I'm going to drive you to the hospital. I don't want you to have to worry about getting a car ride there. I want to drop you off. I want to know that you get there safely. I'm so touched by the fact that you're coming out to help take care of things for your dad. And so it was just like, maybe that's when, you know, on the marathon, I'm running along and there is no fruit left and there's no water. And I feel like, oh, I can't do this. There was someone. And then, yes, at those times when there weren't, I just always look for who is out there that may need that source of encouragement or that we're sharing your journey for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, I mean, if you think about it, um, no one's experience is so unique that, you, that no. there is not a, another single person uh, who's who may be going through the same thing that you are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you could always find them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's true. And circumstances could be different, but the core of it is is so similar and so i just think there have been so many neat opportunities in people's lives that i was able to participate in and share things and you know just like amazing i mean poems that would come to me that i would write and then that would touch someone else and they'd say oh you have no idea this is exactly what i was going through and so yeah i i liken that back to the marathon i mean there was 20 some thousand people out there all different ages shapes, sizes, whatever, with that same dream and goal. How can I cross that finish line? What can I do to get across there? And I just thought, man, there's so many, so, so many different circumstances that that applies to in life. So, so when you're running, when you were running, um, are you, are you thinking about all those things or are you just, um, cause you know, people also talk about them, the runner's high and, and yeah. actually back when I used to run, uh, somewhat regularly uh there was a point even though i only i think the longest i ever ran was two miles but there was a point where i actually did feel that runner's high and i understood like oh, oh my gosh this is amazing right oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. i love it <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah so you so you could get a runner's high even though you're not running that long um and um yeah and it's it's very meditative and yeah. uh, and you're not necessarily thinking about anything specific. You're actually you're kind of zoned out, right? Yeah. Well, or you know what's interesting? Yeah. Yeah. The first year when I ran, I had music. I recorded music for the marathon, and I did that based off the fact that when I taught aerobics, if the music was really good in class, I would see the difference in the participants. So I thought, okay. I'm going to have the best music ever. And especially at these miles, because I know it's going to pick me up and I'm going to feel like I can run the distance. The second year that we went back, my friend and I, we trained this time. I mean, we ran like trained up to 18 mile runs. And so we were in a different headspace, definitely. What's interesting is I had charged what I thought I had charged my music, but it hadn't worked. So I'm into mile two and now I have no charge left on my ear pods. And I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to run a marathon without music? Oh, my gosh. It ended up to be so much better than I ever thought. And I hit my runner's mile at 13 miles. And I realized I am halfway. I don't have the typical stuff 
that would motivate me, but I was even more engaged with people around me than I was the year before when obviously they could probably tell I had <laughs> never run a marathon and I shaved like two hours and 15 minutes off my time the second year. It was wild. So to your point, like when I run, sometimes there's just looking at what's around me and listening to the sounds of nature and being so thankful I can see and that I can move my body and that I can be outside where there's so much beautiful nature. And other times it'll be something I'm thinking through and I just need to clear my head and go for a run. And then it comes to me like, oh, this is what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and then other times I just like seeing people and, <laughs> hey, hi. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There there was a time when I, uh, if I didn't run, I was walking every day and that, and I wasn't listening to music or anything. I actually uh, intentionally didn't do that. Because uh, when you're, when you're listening to something, um, you're kind of focused on that. And right. It doesn't necessarily help clear your mind. But, exactly. Yeah. But that running and walking and activities like that um, actually help clear the mind. So if you were um, ruminating on an issue or problem, and go for a walk or go yeah. for a run. And then you yeah. probably will come to a, a nice solution like at the end of that. Well, and you know what, I, when you're talking about that, it reminds me like when I was younger, um, as a little girl, I ran all the time. I grew up in a very um, difficult childhood, we'll, you know, we'll say that. And so my peace came from running. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't music to listen to, any of that. I would just get outside the front door and I would run to my best friend's house. She, you know, was maybe now would be like 20 minutes. Um, away and I would run like nobody's business just like as fast as I could and just with this great stress relief and what I realized was who knew how beneficial that would be it helped me qualify for school sports that I may not have been able to participate in Um, we, we would go to school and we would have to cut through this big field and there was the meanest little Shetland pony. And so our trick was put food all the way down at one end of the, of the field where he was and then run back up and then cut across before he could come like bite at us. And so it's crazy how, like I probably have always just had that love of running, but as someone younger, that really truly was like a great stress relief. That that's something I, I cannot relate to. Um, seeing a pony along your route. <laughs> oh, well, that was in Arizona. I lived in Arizona back in the day in Phoenix before stuff was really built up, and I will yeah. never forget like the two of us just thinking like, let's just cut through this field. It'll be more fun. We both loved horses. How hard could that be? And and I still can remember that little Shetland pony's name was Rusty. He was so mean, and he nipped at my friend Karen, and I thought. Oh my God, he's going to bite us. <laughs> oh yeah. People don't know. Horses, they bite. Oh yeah. yeah. We ran so fast and I thought, oh, lucky for me, I had been making those runs for a completely different reason, but like who would have thought? I mean, it was great. So, so it seems to me you were, you were, you had a ma- marathon mentality back then. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know what? I did. Yeah. I really did. And I, and I think back on that and it's just like, I'm so thankful for that. 
Um, you know, a lot of that came from my grandfather and what he taught me growing up. Um, he lived through the depression. He, as a young boy, his bedroom was up in the attic and he would tell me stories like how the attic had a little crack in it. So if it was snowing, it would be very cold in his room, but he always dreamt of becoming an eye doctor. Mm. And when he and my grandmother got married, she worked three jobs to help put him through school to become an eye doctor. And so he taught me at a very young age, if you always work towards what you want, you can achieve it. And I just thought, gosh, looking back on that, I was so thankful. So thankful. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the, so, um, believing in yourself, even, even though it looks impossible, yes, do it. And then, um, cheer people along the way and, and getting people support. Uh, I think you had four points, right? I did. So, yeah, it's about giving back as well. And so when I think about that, I think different opportunities that I have had a chance to help others. And I looked at it more from a, a bigger scale. So in my personal life, I could apply it to my grandson was born with a heart condition. And I had always done a lot of stuff for the American Heart Association. Um, in giving back to others, who knew the blessing that would come for me when he was born with a heart condition. Um, there were so many neat things that took place. And I just felt like any time that you can really give to others monetarily um, from a volunteer perspective with your time, that you know, there's that blessing like that. And I, I took a look at when my dad had gone through his circumstances. I volunteered time at juvenile hall and spent a lot of time with kids who didn't have anyone who believed in them and it was neat to watch three of them move on then to do things that in life they didn't know they had the capacity to do. And, you know, I just think like, what are those opportunities that we have big and small that we can take advantage of? And it's like that same thing being on that marathon, you know, having someone next to you that's telling you, you can do this, you know, and it's just about those chances to like stop, be present in the moment. And then give to someone else and then watch what happens to them. I mean, that is amazing to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. I it can all, always remember working in juvenile hall retreat where there was a young man from my church there. And he, um, I had not met him personally, but his brother would come to a lot of the things that I was hosting through youth ministry. And he said to me at one point you know, please pray for my family. We're getting, you know, there's some difficulties there. And so we focused extra time and attention on what were things that we could do from like a teen engagement perspective, just all of that. And to watch the change in his brother's life and to know that, you know, you had got to be part of that. And then later on, he um, ended up, you know, making big, big changes and his whole life turned around the way it impacted the family. 20 some years later to have them share oh my goodness, thank you. That was such a pivotal point. And it was just like, who would have known that just, you mm -hmm. know, but it's, it's neat. And so that's like, to me, that was like coming to mile 26.2, right? Helping someone else have that same belief and it's powerful. And that's the thing, uh, something you just said, um, that you don't know no. uh, what uh, something you say, a kind word or a kind gesture, or sometimes yes. like, you're not even con 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 
conscious con conscience uh, no conscious consciously <laughs> you're not <laughs> those two words i have the hardest time uh con you're not conscious about it sometimes like right. you know uh, i mean you you're a very giving person in general i mean i think you do so much for you know people around you and you and i we have conversations about this that sometimes you have a hard time saying no <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> you have a hard time saying no. And you and I keep reminding you, like, no, yeah. you need to put boundaries so that you yes. can get your own stuff done. <laughs> Cause, right. Yeah. So true. <laughs> but but that said, um yeah, there are there are plenty of times when um, you know, sometimes even strangers. There was I remember this one time, this is years ago, and um I don't know if I was, I don't remember if I was going through a hard time or, or something, but it was just a stranger uh, passing me either on the street or in the subway or something like that. And they said something, I don't even remember what they said, but they said something uh. and um, it was just what I needed to hear in that moment. And um, yeah, so, hey, I don't, I don't remember your name if i even ask for your name but if you're out there know that you have ah. an impact <laughs> but you know this happens i mean you know um and he probably you know didn't i don't know what his intention was i don't know if he felt right. like i needed to hear something encouraging or if he just said it because that's who he is right um, yeah and so who knows and you know there's certainly times like you know, people have come back to me and said, you know, oh, you said this, um, and, uh, or you did this, and I still remember it. I'm like, oh, really? I don't remember it. Uh, well, no, it's true. I mean, it's those little, I'll never forget paying for a coffee and a pastry for someone in the cafeteria area where at my former job. And he was so touched by that. He, he went to pay and I had already done it. And, and so he came back to tell me I was at the grocery store. Oh, it gets me emotional. And the lady in front of me didn't have enough to pay for some, for all of her items. And he said, she had two little kids with her. And he said, so she started to put items back. And he said, the way you made me feel over just a coffee and a pastry. He said, I paid for her groceries. And then he got emotional and he said when he got outside, she and the kids were there and they had written a little note on a piece of paper and he saved it to this day. And he started crying as he was telling me that. And he said, mm -hmm. thank you for buying my coffee and a pastry. And I said, no way, man. Thank you for sharing what you did. Who, I mean, it was just such a beautiful story. And to this day, I, I think of him all the time. I mean, he's just the most remarkable person. We're still in touch. And it's just like those moments. How beautiful was that? What did it mean to that woman and her kids? And, and kind of going back to an earlier point that we were making about, um, you know, little things, they accumulate like compounding interest. Yes. It's little things like that in life also yes. that um, accumulate and uh and and compound in our life and so, so the more we do it more little things so they don't have to be like huge like 
you know, saving somebody's life, you know, kind of thing. Right. I mean, how many, how many occasions do you really, on an average person, do you really get, you know, to actually save someone's life, right? Not right. that many. Um, no. Yeah. Um, but we could do little things. Yeah. Right? We can do little things that make people feel better. Uh, yes. Make them feel... Uh, you know, supported and, and so forth. And they count and they add up. Yes. Yeah. And also yeah. another concept is paying forward because yes. you bought this guy's coffee and pastry, but then he paid right? it forward. Yeah. Oh, in a big, big way. I mean, I think about that and it's just like, gosh, darn it, man. That was so beautiful. But to see how it impacted him emotionally and then to watch him, you know, in the, come back to work and tell me about what had happened over the weekend. It's like, he couldn't wait for me to get in the building. And then he starts sharing. He got emotional. I got emotional. And now he is the father of two little girls. Mm. And, you know, we'll talk about that. Look at what that was for her. And, and I mean, it's just amazing to me. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that also works on the negative end too, right? So little things that you do that's, you know that come from a negative place you know either anger or hatred yeah. over over the you know and you know um that also builds over time yeah 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 so um you know doing it once probably won't change your life but that once is you know could be can be the gateway for you to do be doing that on a regular basis yeah. every day and you harbor that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I try to do at night. Like I have like routines of things that I do kind of like that marathon mentality preparation, if you will. So in the morning I always do journaling and I write about things I'm thankful for. I do some meditation then I read a little bit my Bible. And, and so that's always my morning routine. It has been since 1999 at night. I'll do like what I call examination of conscience. And I think, what did I do today that I could have done differently or better, less of or more of? And I try to take into account, like, was there a moment when I really could have been nicer and I wasn't? What, what could have shifted there? Where did that come from? Was that me? Was that, because I believe like what happens happens outside of you, but how you react to it, that's on you. And so, yeah, to your point, if it becomes easy to do it just once, then but that examination of conscious really helps me at night. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, tomorrow let's let's remember that. Mm, wow, that's lovely. So you have a morning routine and an evening routine. So in the morning mm -hmm. you journal and you write down what you're thankful for, and in the evening you sort of examine what you did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Was there a moment I could have done that? Could that have been done differently? You know. Yeah. Um, if I'm drawn to reacting in a certain way, is it based on that person's behavior? Is it more something that I have internally that, you know, I haven't given myself permission to let go of. And so it's triggering that. Let me be thoughtful and send good energy and positive thoughts and replace that angst that I'm feeling maybe towards an individual with a feeling of love. And then let me forgive myself and remove, replace what that, you know, emotion is right now and bring in some peace and, and just some love. And I just think that again, 
marathon mentality, you know, where am I at? I'm at mile 23 and I've already used the laundromat thanks to that lovely lady, even though the man that owned it got mad at her. And, and so Why? now here I am. It was her you know? quarter. Hello. <laughs> it's her quarter. She could spend it however she wants. Yes. Anyway. And I held the door open so my friend could go after I was done because she didn't have change either. And that lady had no more change. Uh, so maybe, he, maybe that was why. Yeah. Well, no, he was mad at first when she let me go. We weren't doing laundry there. We didn't buy any beverages. She let us use the restroom. That was what did it. Then when he got so angry at her, I felt I didn't want her to come in the restroom with me. <laughs> But yeah, it's like one of those things, you know, you look at those things in life and then you realize, okay, he has every right to be angry, but I didn't like that he got angry with the lady. If you want to get angry, anyone get angry at me. Right, right. And I'll come back. And that's what I told him. There's an ATM close by where we're finishing the race. I will come back here and bring you that 25 cents or 50 cents or make you feel better. I'll bring you a dollar because I really you said that. Yeah. Oh, what did he say? Oh, no, never mind. It's okay. He was just, I think he just didn't like the fact that somebody else was offering something in his place of business. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, that could I don't be know. true. Well, he probably has like, uh, you know, shop rules, you know. Like, oh, that could be too. Don't yeah. let a bunch of freeloading marathoners in here to use my restrooms. <laughs> You know, I always wondered about that. So along a marathon, people will have to go to the bathroom. So are like uh, local businesses along the routes, uh, are they aware that, you know, hey, they're runners and they need to go? And do they let them? So there's signs. Some places will be like marathoners welcome because they figure that, you know, if someone isn't worried about their time or their, you know, their record, their PR, then they're going to come in and maybe they're going to rest for 10 to 15 minutes and have, uh, you know, some cheese or I mean, whatever other places are like marathoners, not welcome. There's porta potties along at different routes. You know, you look, you run by some places in LA and you're like, Oh my God, that smells so good. There's like a bakery right there. I just need a little sugar fix. And the cell post line, a laundromat. Okay. I just don't, I mean, I would have never thought so, but yeah, it could be too. It's like, hey, I don't, there's 20 some thousand of you people out there on the street. You're not all coming to my place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I could see that. If one yes. person comes in, uh, you know, you have whole droves of people coming in. And, right. Yeah. And it can be very disruptive to their business. Exactly. I mean, yes. I was, so, I thought I was dying. I just, <laughs> I wasn't looking you, at it from a business owner's perspective. <laughs> You couldn't wait for the porta putty. <laughs> oh my gosh, JJ, there is no way, man. I thought number one, I thought that my foot was falling off. I mean, my foot was so sore, yeah. and then to have to, yeah, it was not pretty. So that was like my little respite there. I was like, oh, thank you, God, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, craziness. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely like the well. The, the your point about like um, reflecting on your day, I think yeah. um, I think that's a very good lesson to learn, uh, and that's not something that a lot of us do, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I think the more we reflect on uh, our own thoughts and behavior, um, that uh, you know. 
the world would be a kinder place. <laughs> I know yeah, it's a very yeah. Pollyanna way of looking at things, but but I think it's true, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I really do. I think about it a lot and I just feel like if it's if it's not something and I used to always say if I sat next to you at church on Sunday, would I be embarrassed by my behavior? Uh you know, would I feel good sitting next to you? Because here we are, you know, we're coming to worship, we're coming to say I'm trying to be the best me. And so I think about that. I'm like, oh, my gosh, because I would be in meetings sometimes with people where they would be going at it with each other. And I'd be like, whoa. And I think, well, I'm not getting in the middle of that, because what if I sat next to them at church on Sunday? Would I be embarrassed? Um, and so that's what I think about. So at night, I'm like, tomorrow morning, I meet myself again to start my day. So what part of what took place today am I going to feel proud of? And what do I want to make sure that I don't want to repeat? Yeah. Uh, just to just to add to what you just said, I think um, so, you know, maybe not uh, everyone is a churchgoer. So uh, right. maybe you could think of it as like, hey, what is the person, you know, one person in your life that you are, you know, you want to impress? Whether yeah. that's your children, yeah. your spouse, your coworker, or I don't know, somebody you admire. Um, right. And if they knew what you did or what you said, yeah. like, would you be embarrassed? You know, you could kind of look at it that way. Yes. Or even self energy work that you're doing on your own. So if you're not a church goer and you're saying, I'm working at being the best version of myself, the first thing you do when you look up and you look in the mirror the next morning is, how do you feel about your day yesterday? You know, what is there something you want to do different? Because you are, I mean, you, what you give comes back to you, number yeah. one. And so it's like, if you're pushing out that energy and then you wonder why is what's coming in difficult or challenging? Oh, well, maybe it's based on what my thoughts are, what I'm focusing on, what I'm not releasing. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in that as well. So yeah, I, my kids, definitely my friends. You know, um, but myself, yeah. I start with self. There, there's a couple of things I, I read recently or I heard. Well, one was reading. It was a, a, a friend who posted on her Facebook and um, it was one of those reflective moments where she wrote to her self when she was a kid, like, dear, you know, younger so-and-so blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and I think um, that particular post, she was talking about her mother and saying something like, yeah, you may hate her now or something. You know, like when you're little, yeah. when you're a little kid, uh, you get mad at your parents and you you, you say you hate them, you know, <laughs> things like that. Um, yeah, you may say that now, but, you know, uh, it, it was positive. It was like, but, but, you know, know that, um, something you'll appreciate her later or something to that effect yeah and so so it's kind of like an older self telling the younger self who don't know better right right <laughs> because now you're older and wiser hopefully. right <laughs> yeah hopefully and you have a better understanding of how the world works and so you're telling your younger self hey you know uh, chill out <laughs> you know yeah not, not everything's all that bad it gets better right um, or you know you you have it you know it's appreciate that's it that's what she was saying appreciate what you have because yes it's important um, yes yes and that makes me think of um, a group of executives that I had gone out to share the marathon mentality with and they had were in transition looking for new work 
And they were so focused on number one, not being employed at the time for whatever reason, you know, that's never an easy thing to go through. But then as they're job searching um, and many of them, you know, at an executive level, you have that certain um, sense of accomplishment of what you've done over the years. So it's difficult to now be in a, a bartering, if you will, or however you're looking at, where am I getting the next job from? And that was one of the things um, when you shared that, that came to mind is just appreciating right where they at. And we, so we talked about like marathon mentality and what does that look like? What mile are you at? Who are those people there that are encouraging you along the way? But it was to be thankful for the little things. And I um, had done what I call a timeout session and it's stress mitigation. And so we talked about and identified the different levels of stress that they were all experiencing. And in doing that, um, I'll use a visual of two cups one empty, the other one with the water. And as they poured in and they realized that they had an awful lot of stress that they hadn't shared out loud with anyone. And here they were all together. And as that water spilled out over, there was, I'll never forget one of the gentlemen that was, I watched his eyes well up with tears. And he talked about like, this is what I'm trying to deal with at home. And this is, you know, different variables. And then when it got to the point where we did the guided visualization and I had them just center themselves and get quiet and I took them for a walk along the beach and I had set up the table where there was sand on it and shells. I don't think I've ever seen anyone so thankful to pick a shell out of the sand. And naturally it's unexpected. It's in a conference room in a corporate environment, but he hung on to that like it was he was out in the middle of the ocean and someone threw him a life preserver. And he yeah. said, thank you. I forget how important it is just to be thankful for the little things. And he said, this gel reminds me, reminds me of the walks that we used to do when I was a little boy with my grandfather along the beach in Italy. And he was got very emotional and, and he said, I could release so much heartache. It's going to help me on my job search. Thank you. I needed to feel better about myself. Yeah. And yeah. it's true, JJ. It's just, it's just the small things that you grab onto that can you bring you that moment of thankfulness. Yeah. Um, and, and another thing I think is like, I think where we are, so good going, adding to your point about the mile marker, like whether you're a mile 10 or 15 or 20, you are where you are. And, um, and I think, you know, that's important. Um, well, a couple of points. One, I think that's important to know where you are and accept that, you know, yes. um, and not try to be in mile 20, even though you're at mile 15 <laughs> or <laughs> you've already passed right. mile 10 and you've come to 15. So that's, you know, uh, five miles further along than you were five miles ago. Uh, but the other thing is, I think, um, you know, um, like, we think back uh, and we look at our you know, 20 year old self or 30 year old self. And I'm like, and you know, and you realize like, oh my gosh, you know, if I knew then what I know, right? Now, right? So <laughs> wherever you are, your former self was always, uh, you know, dumber. No, it's true. I'm and, not. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, whatever flaws, <laughs> you know, uh, 
you were you were stupider and you were less patient or this or that you know you could like have a whole list of things that uh uh yeah you were less of <laughs> yeah well i mean it's crazy but it's very 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 true and i can remember spending the last two weeks of my grandfather's life with him he lived to be 102 and he was, he, I mean, he was awesome. He, his mind was still so sharp and he was recounting, you know, those things from, from younger. And, and I just think for myself, let me always apply that. You know, he was sorry. He worked so hard that he didn't take more time to spend with my dad, and my uncle. I mean, it was just neat to get those little like pearls of wisdom from him. And I think, oh my goodness, had he had an opportunity to share that, you know, with his younger self, how cool would that have been? I mean, he was just a brilliant man and experienced so much life. Um, but yeah, those are those moments you're just like, okay, what are the things that I would tell my younger self? So what I try to do now is share and remind myself how important it is to enjoy right where I'm at because it goes by so fast. And the next thing you know, you know, I could be in my 80s and 90s and then thinking, gosh, I wish I was further back. So that was one of the things I got from him was just always be so happy in the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's an important life lesson. Um, I think we we forget that, though, you know, yeah, we forget that so often. We forget that every day sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know it's true. But I think, um, you know, your your habit of journaling and writing down the things that you're thankful for actually helps you yeah. uh, be grounded, you know, and I think that's so important is to be grounded. Because um, yeah. when, you know, I mean, 2020 it was just really difficult for so many of us. Was um, that a year? Do we have a 2020? <laughs> okay. It was just a oh. number, I guess. <laughs> oh. um, yeah. Yeah, and it had hit everybody in, you know, in different ways. You know, some people went through, um, you know, financial hardship. Others went through mental and emotional hardship. Others lost people and, or, you know, social isolation. You know, some people just didn't know how to handle it. And, you know, there were so many things um, and, you know, and it just affected people in so many different ways. Um, but anyway, why did I bring that up? Uh, shoot, what was I talking about just before that? Twenty, well, just about appreciating the things in life and my journaling yes, and how being, I write about the things I'm thankful for. Being grounded, yeah, actually, being grounded. yeah, being grounded helps you um, yeah. from falling flat on your face. Uh, you know, when hardships come. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I think, um, well, you, you definitely had, 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 uh, lots of, oh. yeah, lots of life hardships. Yeah. yeah. 2020 was, well, not just 2020, but oh. like all of your life. So yeah. I, I know a bit about, um, Dawn's history. Uh, she and I, we, we talked about it at length so um yeah but um sorry i cut you off you were saying something oh no 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 
Well, I didn't know how far back you meant. Yeah. When I look back on it, you know, I think, all right, as a child, I can remember like what it felt like to get locked in my bedroom without air conditioning and food and having someone put my bed on fire and, you know, watching my brother get beaten. And I think that's why I'm a rebel and I have no fear <laughs> because I felt like if my mom wasn't going to do something to stop it, I would. Yeah. Right. And so I would go after my stepdad. I mean, he was probably like six, four and weighed 250 pounds. He was a big, huge iron worker. Who am I to do that? But I, again, no fear. There's that marathon mentality. I'm going to make sure that I fix whatever this is and it's going to be a, a good ending. And so when you look at that and you just realize, all right, over the years, you know, you fast forward now and you've got something challenging and it's like, whether it be a challenging boss or, you know, I'll never forget. I worked at a banking office where someone came in and gave um, a note saying, you know, we're going to rob you, whatever. It's like, are you kidding me? Come on. I have my bed put on fire when I was little. Don't make me come after you. Now, does everyone think that way? No, but I, I look back and I think, those were terrible hardships, but I'm thankful for them because they helped me form who I am. And what's even crazier is then when I was at juvenile hall visiting those kids who were in lockdown because of what they went through, I'm like, yeah, I get that. I can sympathize with where you're at. I understand. Did I make the same choices you made? No, but that's not to say that you can't overcome those choices. It's crazy. It's yeah. how you look at it. Yeah. And it's yeah. the journaling, JJ. It really helps because you reflect back. You can journal about right where you're at. I mean, it is just such a good foundation. How would you advise somebody who don't like journaling? So I always tell everyone, start with something fun. The journal that I have is beautiful. I like to look at something that's pretty and I love color. And so I have, this sounds so crazy different color pens. And I just want to say, if you don't like journaling, just sit down, write the date. It's Friday. I'm holding a pink pen. That's all the more you have to do. I'm thankful I can hold this pink pen. Um, I started just with small stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, all these emotions would come out. And then what would help me do is go like, wow, you know what? This morning, I'm going to make my breakfast with my eyes closed. So I would make my oatmeal. I would pick a breakfast that was kind of hard, right? Oatmeal, <laughs> toast, coffee. I'm like, oh, I can't see what I'm doing. And then I would sit down and I would say, I'm thankful I have eyes. Mm. I'm thankful that I live in a home where I could take care of myself. I'm thankful that I had food that I can make my breakfast. And I took it to like real core values that so many people don't have. And then... You know, I, it just started growing from there. It was so crazy. One day I was so mad. I don't even remember what it was about. And I sat down and I was like, and it got all out. And I was like, hey, okay. It was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. And that that's good too because it, it can be very cathartic uh, to oh. uh, just let yeah. go of, you know, bad things that happened um, yeah. or you were thinking. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That and I had, um, there's a book by Julia Cameron called The Artist's Way. Mm. And part of her teaching principle is you develop that creative part of yourself by releasing. And so her philosophy is write, sit and write every morning three pages without thought. 
just write it all out and, and get rid of it. And then you free up space for that creativity. And as I did that, I thought, God, this is kind of cool. Um, it helped me take a compilation of poems I had over the years that I had written. And at the request of a hospital, they asked me, could I please put a gift together for cancer survivors? And so I sat and wrote a poem for cancer survivors, put it with the rest of the poems. And it was neat to see the impact that that had on, I never forget running into a woman at a bookstore and she had the booklet that I had done. And when I asked her where she got that, she said a friend of hers had gone to um, a symposium for cancer survivors and that I had, you know, it was me, that a woman had spoken and they had, you know, um, got the booklets. And so she had that. And I thought, who would have known that all those years of just journaling and all of that helped produce something? Hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it kind of got around. <laughs> it, yeah. It came full circle. But I was so touched by it. I thought, my little booklet of poems. And I had to ask her, oh, where did you get that? And yeah, the story was so touching. And I thought there are some poems that were in there. One of them I had written to my mom about mothers. One I had written about dads. One I had written about nurses, like, you know, caregivers, angels, earth angels. Um, and it was based on all those gut-wrenching, hard things that I experienced. But I found a way to kind of like channel that energy, if you will. And then it all went together in that book of poems. Yeah, yeah crazy so i know you and i kind of i helped um sort of lay out the the next iteration of that book yes thank you 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 haven't published it yet right no i need to publish it i have copyright yeah you need to do that i do yeah but i think i need to add to this and, and that's just me looking at it now it's like when there's meaning behind each of the poems, like for some of them I've spoken and so people are aware of it. And then I would like offer the poem at the end of the speaking engagement and, and they've, you know, flock to that. Or sometimes people will still reach out, tell me again about the dime story. Um, you know, the miracle of the dime or tell me again, the cancer sur- survivor one is a little bit more clear, but when there's meaning behind those, so that I need to be good about that. That will be, those will be my steps. Okay. Where you get your 10,000 steps a day, I'll think, all right, I have to, I, yeah, I need to do that. So, this yeah. Is beautiful. Thank you. You have 12. You have 12 poems, I think, right? Is it 12? I do. Poems? You're so good. Yeah. So, there's 12 in there. Yeah. So, 12 days. You have 12 days. No, I'm just oh, kidding. It's like the 12 days of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's uh yeah, that that's very cool actually. Um so uh I think we went through like three principles of the marathon mentality, right? So what's uh-huh. the fourth? So the the fourth one is just remembering that um as you're looking at the whole overall experience, what is it about that that makes you who you are. And the interesting point is you're a gift to yourself. You are someone with vision. Um, you know, there's no point in time. There's a best time for a marathon, but it's not to take away from someone like myself 
who was a first time marathoner and it took me seven and a half hours to but run the you, streets of LA. But you did it. You but I did it. it. Yeah. Oh, so it's just a really appreciating who you are and appreciating that you are unique and different from others. I mean, I watched the women from Ethiopia run an hour and a half, two hours. I mean, it was phenomenal. They went ahead of us. Um, and then there were the guys in wheelchairs who, who raced that way. I mean, there were so many different aspects of it. And what I realized beyond all of it is it's just appreciating who I was at the end of it and realizing I've done something that most people wouldn't consider doing, but how many times do we do that in life? And we may not get a medal or, you know, we may not get a certificate or a shirt saying that you, you know, have finished this race, but there's ways that we can um, always appreciate ourselves and remember to be good, be good to who you are uh, because there's only one you, Yeah, you know, you're unique and special. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's a really lovely message. Um, so wait, I'm I'm just curious. Uh, um, so wait, people who are in wheelchairs, they run with. Um... They have their own special um, special race that they do. They like sit in a lower type of um, almost like a. Oh, what do you call those little cars? I can't think of it. Shoot, it looks like a like a little race car, um, okay. and they or like a bike, like a bike that is like a, a three wheel bike. Okay. So it sits lower to the ground, and they push along. No, I know, I know. Oh, but, that. But they. Oh, but they, they run. We just go. Right, they run with you. Some do, and some don't. Some can sign up just for their own special race. Uh huh. Um, and then others can come along, and then you know everybody naturally is mindful of that. Um, so it just depends on what level they're at and what they want to commit to. Okay, because yeah, I, w- I always wondered about that. I know that uh, people who have uh, various uh, disabilities, they, I know they participate in the marathon, but I always yeah. wondered if it was a different marathon, kind of like the Special Olympics. Yes. Or, or do they, you know, participate in the marathon that everybody else is doing? Yeah, uh, they so, can do either or. But is there a special marathon just for them? There's a special section of it. So they have different um, times where they let different running groups go. So like the elite runners um, go way before, you know, most of us and because they're going to finish so fast. Um, Then they have the one for if um, for people with a disability, physical disability, you know, and they're, say, confined to some type of a mechanism, then they go on their own. They have a group of people who ride um, that's set separately. And then they have the larger you know, group of people. So 20 some thousand, but even within that, they have different, they call them corrals. So based on if you've never run, um, or if you run a nine minute mile, six minute, whatever those variables are, then yeah, they corral you and then you take off at different times. Yeah. There are different levels. Like, you know, yeah. Nine minute mile, 11 minute mile, whatever. Um, yeah, but okay. But it's the same marathon. It's the same event. It's just that they're in different sections. Yeah. Okay. But it's the same event. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. some do it the day before. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Some I've okay. seen where, uh, some I've seen where they will like, you know, you can participate in this one and then two more, and they do a whole different. I mean, there's so much that they offer now just to get people more engaged. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's. Uh, wait. Some people run the day before. Like if they're part of an like not the elite people, but 
they have a special kind of different run that they did at one of the ones that I was at. I didn't participate in that one, but it was a day prior and they could do like a half and then the next day they would do the full. And so okay. they were part of like this ultra marathon. Okay. I can imagine, okay. but yeah. All right. Uh, I think in New York, the New York marathon, I don't think they do the day before. I think it's, it's just, just a day, day of, yeah, I think yeah. it's, yeah, it's just the one day. That's enough, right? Uh, well, yeah, because I don't shut think down the streets and yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't think uh, your typical New Yorkers will be very kindly no. to being shut down for for more than one day. Although this pandemic, I was is, just gonna say it could be a good time for a marathon. I remember last year when the LA marathon still took place, even though that lockdown had started. Wait, did the marathon take place last year in 2020? Yes. They, they ran the marathon? Well, in yeah. New York? I don't know like, if they did it in New York, but I know they did here in California because I had friends. Her husband ran it, and I was watching and tracking, and yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they, they probably did it. I mean, because it's an outdoor thing, and it's during the day. So, right. yeah, there is less of a chance for, yeah. But, um, yeah, that's so cool. So, um, so okay. So... It's uh, it's basically appreciating who you are right now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. In the moment, not yeah. thinking what what could I have done different. Um, I have a good friend of mine. Um, she'll instead of hindsight, she'll call it hindsight. Just be kind to yourself about the different things that have taken place. You can't change that, but you can change what it is going forward. And I just thought, oh, I really like that. So not to look back on things and not be kind. Um, and then not to be so anxious about things that haven't come yet, but to still plan for them. What? Okay. So how does that, how does that work with, um, how you on a daily basis, you reflect on what happened the day and, and you think about how you might've done things differently. So how does that, uh, and appreciating yourself in the moment and not okay so it's i i know that it's not contradictory but it does sound contradictory right do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. right so as i look back and reflect on my day and there was things let's say that um let's say i got angry with my son or or a friend or and i overreacted to something and i didn't need to and then I would sit with that and I would think, what could I have done differently? And next time when that opportunity comes up, I want to, if I have to count, stop and count to 10 before I even say anything, because if I wasn't giving my full attention and I could have been, then you know what, that's what I'm going to do. Or if I felt like I was starting off my day, not in a good headspace, and I had done all my journaling and some point in the day, I got angry at someone who cut in front of me on the road. I am going to breathe in deep three times and take a big smile and then wish them well as they're driving to wherever they're driving like a maniac. <laughs> so when I think about that, how am I learning from that? I'm still learning the things I want to do differently. In hindsight, I'd call it hindsight. Could I have done different? Yes. I'm not going to beat myself up for it because mm -hmm. I'm not a perfect person, but I am going to become aware of it so that tomorrow when I start my day, I'm going to plan. Okay. Sometimes this is a trigger point for me. 
So what can I already have in place that I know don't overreact to that? Mm. I don't know if that helps. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think there's also um, an aspect of kind of letting go uh, in play there also. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that you kind of uh, reflect, uh, evaluate, and then um, and then release. Yeah, Yeah. and you kind of like let go. That's what happened. And you think about how you could do things differently. Yes. Um, but, you know, well, the thing is, though, um, you know, we we do as human beings, we have a tendency to kind of like play things over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in our head. Right. Um, and we don't necessarily let go. But that's that's an important part to reflect, yeah. but then let go and move yeah. on. Right. Otherwise, you would be just ruminating. Well, exactly. And then I put that back to marathon mentality again. As a runner, you don't want to have a lot of excess baggage that you're carrying. It slows you down. <laughs> right? I mean, you pack so light. And it's just like it doesn't make sense to have all that heaviness. And so you're going to have, you know, a, maybe you've packed like a little energy boost or something. You're going to put find trash somewhere to dump that as you're going along your run, not just throw it. Well, some people let you just do throw it down on the street because they come clean the streets. But it's like you don't want to carry any excess baggage that, that weighs you down. And and it can be minimal, right? Because your thoughts don't weigh much of anything, but they can become very heavy in your head and then very heavy on your heart. Right. So the excess baggage can also be your thoughts, not just... Exactly. Uh, yeah. But how do you know that it's excess baggage? Because, you know, I think uh, I think a lot of us have a tendency to like our baggage. Well, that's the well, whole thing. You yeah. know, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, you know, yeah. there there are people who uh, wear their baggage like a badge yeah. of honor or, you know, shield or something. Yeah. So yeah. I have to ask myself is how is this helping me thinking about this and letting that what is that doing? Is that doing anything to change my perspective in a positive way? If I had to stand up and talk about that right now, what could I say that would show that, oh yeah, I'm still stuck in stuff from back in the day. Um, that, that means that I'm not enjoying life in the, in the present. And so I just, I really do that one deep dive with myself to say like, is that going to help you get where you need to be tomorrow. I mean, there's just so many different moments like that. And it's just like, no, that's ultimately not what I want. Then I revisit that in my morning journaling. Where are the things I'm moving closer to? Um, and then sometimes you get that gut, you know, where you get that little feeling. It's like, oh, gosh, darn it. See, I didn't want to do that. And then you have to be like, it's okay. You know that you're aware of it. Just move forward and keep on your game plan. Uh, I noticed uh, a lot of sort of indicators that you rely on is very visceral, Um, you know, like your gut and your sort of feeling like, you know, I think it's because you're a very um, physical person. Right. You know, yeah, yeah, you engage in a lot of physical activity. And so uh, you listen to your body, whether it's your gut, your heart or, you know. Um, I mean, some some people might argue that your heart is not, I mean, because when we say heart, we don't mean literally the heart, the right. organ. Yeah. <laughs> or your gut. I mean, yeah, your gut, your head, your heart. There's different yeah. little things, a feeling that you get. 
Um, and, and for people that aren't as aware of that, um, you know, I had the greatest saying that a friend of mine shared with me years ago, you do what you do till you know what you know. It's like you hit that same wall and, and, or putting your hand by the fire. Ah, shoot, that's hot. And then you kind of forget, ah, dang it, that's hot. So sometimes it's the consequences of holding on to those thoughts and not releasing and working through them. And those same things keep coming back in because you keep drawing that to yourself. And then one day it's just like, oh, well, yeah, no kidding. Hi, I, this is something that I really don't need to be hanging on to. And then you just let it go. Well, yes, uh, I think that's maybe easier said than done uh, for, it is. for some of us, uh, especially if you've been holding on to certain things for a very yeah. long time. And also, if there is a bit of in, uh, righteous indignation mixed in. Yeah. Yeah. You feel, yeah like you, know you feel like you're in the right or you have the right to feel a certain yeah. way. Yeah. And you do. Everyone has the right to feel a certain way. But what you want to ask yourself then is, what am I doing with that? How am I benefiting myself or anyone else? And it's funny. I had a conversation yesterday with an individual and we were sharing about, you know, just different circumstances, events. And then how do you let go of a situation that you know you want to move past? And I said, one of the things I've also done is in my journaling, I've actually written a letter and it's the different emotions that you're feeling. So let's say I'm angry um, and I'm angry and it really, the anger came from years ago, um, but someone in my present time has triggered that. So then I think, all right, I write down, I give myself permission to release the anger. Maybe it's rejection. Maybe it's disappointment that I'm feeling towards whoever that person is. Um, and then I replace it with, and then positive feelings and emotions. And then I also say, and I, I forgive myself for holding on to anger, rejection, disappointment, and I replace them with love. And then I think back to where did that all first start? Oh, maybe it was back like when I was little and you know there's someone putting my bed on fire so then this was how it triggered and I forgive them and I release that and I let it go and then after I write that letter out I would just this is bad to do but if you have a safe area <laughs> I just burn it and just then it's just nothing but ashes and so it just completely is gone away I don't see any more of it I clean up the ashes put them in the trash and I've released it well I think you have a house you have a fireplace no, I, I don't use my fireplace. So I'll go out and put it like in the barbecue. I can put okay. it in the fire pit in the backyard. When I lived in an apartment years ago, and I um, first learned about doing that when I was going for um, some therapy, from, you know, naturally you get to pay money to help people get your head right. You know, <laughs> that was one of the things that um, I learned to do. And she said, it's the best thing because you're taking it out of your head, you're putting it on paper. And then you burn it so you don't see it anymore. And then you get rid of whatever it was. And so it becomes ashes. So I used to go out and do it like by the pool area. And I had a metal bucket and I would just put the letters in there and then I would burn them in. Yeah. 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 And it's I think um, therapeutic. It's yes. crazy, but it's good. It's therapeutic. It's also symbolic and it's yeah. visceral and it's an experience. You're, you're, yeah. you're kind of going through certain motions. Um, it's also very visual especially if you're burning it. Although if you live in a small yeah, I know. apartment, you have uh, to go outside, find a place like a parking area or somewhere. And that's what I did because I was in an apartment. So I get that. And I would just go out and I would just burn it. And then my neighbors would be like, 
Oh, oh you do. <laughs> it's not roasting marshmallows. It's got to be something therapeutic. But what was funny is that would draw them and they'd go like, what are you doing? Why? Oh, this is what I'm dealing with. Oh, I need to do that too. And I just thought, okay, if I can help someone else along the way, heck yeah. Well, if you do, if you do do it in an apartment, just uh, disable the the smoke alarm. Yes, yes you can do that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Although, um, I think um, my apartment, it you can't disable the smoke alarm. It's, uh, it's wired in. It's, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. So then you'd have to go outside. You'd have, have to go to, find a spot. I would have to go outside. Yeah. Or, it or pretty fast. Um, yeah, but I'm wondering if there's another way of uh, sort of disposing of it other than burning. You could bury it. I mean, you could put it in an envelope and seal it up and then you could like bury it in the ground. Well, no, um, not everyone has uh, has access to ground. Uh, oh, this is true. Can you, I have a shredder at home. Can I shred oh, it? Oh, you can shred it. Oh, there as you long go. as it goes away. Yeah. Yes. You know what? You can absolutely shred it. And if someone, if you don't have a shredder, then you could always rip it up into a bunch of tiny little pieces and then throw it away. The whole point is destroying it once you've, once you've done, you know, completed your writing that down. That, that can be very therapeutic too. Just, you know, ripping it up with your own oh, hands. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> well, you know what's fun? I mean, I didn't realize it. It's not funny, but it's it's kind of a cool thing. Um, because I was my dad's executor and his power of attorney, and I had to maintain everything in the trust for him. And the woman that he had married, they were saying that she had. To, they don't think he fell by accident. That she had been married twice before and does something like this. It's a term they call black widow. And so as I was going through all his documentation and paperwork, I'd saved it now for almost 22 years. It was time to, to clear it out. And I just not had been ready to do that yet. And so I shredded all those documents and came across like notes that she, you could see where she was trying to get stuff from the family. I was pretty, pretty intense. I'll, I'll spare you the details. But what was cool is when I shred all of that, it was like this powerful release. And it's amazing, not realizing how much maybe you still hang on to. Um, and I just thought, oh my gosh, it was so freeing. Mm. But I had not been ready to do that for a lot of years. And, and I just felt like there was a legal responsibility and just so many different ramifications if I got rid of it too soon. Um, but yeah, shredding is, is very good. Yeah. Um, the, the only sort of hesitation I would have for my, for myself, if I were to do something like that is, um, you know, uh, as a writer, uh, I tend to save everything I write. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, to, ref as, uh, to refer back to, you know, later Dave to uh -huh. write a song or write, you know, something, whatever. Could you make it digital and... Yeah, well, and that's the thing. That's the point I, uh, I was also going to make, that I think there is, um, like, if you write by hand, right? And I haven't written by hand in a long time. I think maybe college was the last time I actually wrote by hand, you know, taking notes in class and things like uh -huh. that. Um, I don't know, maybe a few years after that. But, um, yeah, ever since I started working full time and had access to a computer, um you know, it's like writing by hand is like, you know, I, 
um, I think it's different. Like if you write something on a computer, and now I, I write on my phone a lot, um, it's a different feel um, than writing by hand. Yeah, I think um, that's it's more. How should I put it? Uh, I want to. I don't know. I can't think of a better word than visceral. Uh, but you know, it's a it's an act. The, the act of writing is is also right. something. Um, you know, because if you're typing, it's just you're just click 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 click, right? But when you're writing, you're actually forming the letters yeah. and forming the words, and that act also uh, imparts some. It's an experience. Uh, yeah, that, I love writing by hand. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm actually as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking like, oh, maybe I should start writing by hand again. Yeah. Well, here's the thing though, <laughs> when you write by hand, it's it's hard to save things. Uh, so a lot there are a lot of. Um, I call them books because I used to uh, have like, you know, I would start, I would get a notebook, you know, and different kinds of notebooks uh, and I would start writing. And then once that's done, I would, you know, get another one and, and do that. Um, a lot of that uh, is lost, um, you know. I know where some of it went. It was a very stupid thing that I did uh, that um, I uh, lost accidentally. Um, but anyway, I was trying to hide it, but instead uh, it got taken. Somebody stole it. Oh. <laughs> I know. And these are like personal things. Yeah, um, that's not cool. I know. But this happened like, what, 30 years ago? 40 uh -huh. years, like longer, 40 years, 35 years ago or something. So who knows? Uh, but um yeah, so I think writing digitally for me uh, uh, works because I can't really lose it because it's, you know, yeah. it's also just saved in the cloud. Um, until the, like, all of the internet is destroyed and all of the, <laughs> like, Google goes out of business right. and all their servers oh. are destroyed or something. Uh, then, then it's all lost, right? Yeah, yeah, that would be horrible, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, we don't want to think about that. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's why I, I also have these external drives, backup drives that I try to back up to. Smart. Um, yeah, uh, but it's kind of it's a little bit disorganized. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, so it, you know, both have uh, pros and cons. But I'm thinking like. I don't know. I think it, it would be a good exercise to actually physically write things again. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, physically, I like to do that. I mean, because I do it my morning journaling. I'll do it for other things. I, and then I'll also use my computer. Like I took a writer's class, a writer's workshop, and that was so much fun. And I, you know, save those documents. And it's nice because who knows where they would have ended up otherwise. Um, I have a big container that I save things that to me are like more precious. So I had done a trip one year to an ancestry to document where some of my families came from. And then I had done a, a, a couple other trips um, where I also just, you know, you're on a long international flight and I had writ started writing down different things and then I made it a point to continue to write throughout the visit. Hmm. And it was neat because it was New York and it was retracing 
when my grandmother immigrated from Sweden and she first landed at Ellis Island and then she ended up living down in Hoboken for a while and, and then moved back up to, you know, the Manhattan area in New York until she eventually went to Chicago. And so it was neat to actually be there at the same, on the same streets that she had traveled on. And so I just have all kinds of things that I had started and I thought, oh my gosh, is this a book in the making? Like, I need to think about that. It's kind of cool. I mean, what a gift to go back and thank goodness they had saved photographs and had written the address of the actual place that they were standing in front of when they took the photographs. Hmm. It's yeah. like half the work was done for me. Wait, so what, um, the Ancestry Service did this for you? What? Well, Ancestry gave me um, parts of the different areas that my grandmother had been. So like in Ingelsbach, Sweden, I had no idea even what town it was, where it was at. Um, I met a gentleman there at the cemetery. You'd think it's so random, but I like to think that that's either God or the universe, whatever your thoughts are, speaking to me. And here he was, he had written a book about the over a million Swedes that had immigrated to the Americas for a better life. And I met him, so he gave me a plethora of information. And then I thought, oh my gosh, how cool is this? And then also, you know, in just getting, looking at photographs that I got that from different family members on Ancestry and then things that my grandmother had saved. So I would interchange with a lady, her name is Jeannie, and she lives in Lemon Grove, Illinois, and she's third generation, same as me, but we wouldn't have never known each other had it not been for Ancestry. So I FedExed a bunch of pictures, and she could name who people were, because she was also working on the same family lineage. Oh, wow. So wait, Unbelievable. So, oh, wow. That's, um, oh, that's Ancestry. Wow. So they actually connect you to people. So, yeah, so I'll never forget what was so cool. I got an email one day from a lady, and this is Feeney, but I didn't know who she was at the point, asking me, are you related to Harry Helwig? And I started bawling. Harry was my grandfather. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm just writing her back. Yes, that's my grandfather. <laughs> and so she is third generation. Her um, sister... Um, her, her her grandmother was my grandfather's sister. So she had all this information. She could fill in dates. But yes, you can connect with other people on Ancestry. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty amazing. Okay, I that didn't know. Awesome. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know that they did all that. I thought they they just kind of like told you uh, when or where your parents, grandparents. And they do, but what, so what happens is you start building down your tree, you see then who those different individuals are. And, you know, with the internet, you could look to find all kinds of people. So I had another um, girl who, um, thank goodness for, you know, Amber, she lives up in Northern California. We met halfway and her grandfather or grandmother was my grandmother's sibling. Mm. And she didn't have anything from her grandparents. So I took her a place setting for my grandmother's china because back in the day they would do service for 12 and I know I never need more than service for eight to ten and so I thought oh my gosh I took we met up with each other um and we did the halfway thing and then I brought her some of the china so she'd have something that had belonged to someone in the family oh wow oh, oh that's nice powerful. yeah 
Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I wonder, though, because, you know, my grandparents and, 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 and further down ancestors, they're all, you know, from Korea. Yeah. So I wonder if Ancestor.com. Is it Ancestor.com? Ancestry.com. Ancestry. So you can message people through Ancestry.com. You can pay a little bit more for your monthly membership and you can message people outside of the United States and pull information from there. That's how I started getting more information about Sweden, mm -hmm. um, which I was so thankful for. And then found out that my grandfather, who was married to my grandmother, um, his, the one that was from Sweden, his mom was also from that same little town. And so she had immigrated here before my grandfather was born. They lived in Chicago. Then when my grandmother came over from Sweden all by herself at 19 years old, how she ended up traveling, you know, Manhattan, Ellis Island, Hoboken, Manhattan, and then Chicago. It's like, how cool is that? So you found out all these things and you decided to have do an excursion to all those different places. Is that what you did? I, I did. Let me tell you, um, I don't know. Um, so one of the girls I used to work with, it was her niece's graduation from college. And she said, um, you know, my niece is graduating. Her mom is going to pay for, get us reduced rates. Would you like to go be a chaperone on um, Kelsey's graduation trip? We're going to Europe. And I thought, whoever does that? I never do anything like that. Yes, of course I want to go. We got discounted tickets and we went to London, Paris. That was the trip. But I had a dear friend of mine who was no longer um, with, the, with the bank and was living in Mannheim, Germany, going back to school to finish her master's degree. And so I thought, well, shoot, I'm just going to spend time with her. And so she met up with us in Paris. The first group went back and then I stayed another in the 10 days I think it was mm -hmm. and then we did um Paris then we went back to Germany and then from Germany we went to Denmark and then rented a car and drove from Denmark to Sweden up into the little town where my grandmother was from how so I covered that, all how huh? long was that drive from Denmark to Sweden uh it was about five or six hours we got pretty close where we were in Denmark um I mean, it was remarkable, Jade. It was just so beautiful. There's, I can't even think of the name of the bridge right now, but it's like almost five miles long across. The bridge? Like, yeah. Wow. I'm going to have to Google and look up. I, I want to say Mal, I'm not sure, Malvern, Malbec, something like that. It was mind-blowing. The crazy thing is you drive, um, she didn't drive stick, so I drove all the time um but just driving somewhere else that you're not used to being um and then none of the signs of course it's all in a foreign language and so that in itself was just like oh my gosh we're doing it you know it was pretty cool we got we even got lost from each other that wasn't the cool part in sweden um, and i didn't did you see it no i'm looking at okay bridge yeah. from actually i was looking at uh looking up something else because uh, oh. i went to prince edward island one time uh you know in, in canada and yeah. uh the bridge uh 
to Prince Edward Island is really long, and I was looking up that it's that's eight miles. For some reason, I was thinking eighteen miles, and I was like, "That's oh. really long." No, it's eight miles. So yeah, five miles, and and I remember like how long of a drive it yeah. was. So wait, uh, so it's bridge, bridge from I I want to say, God, is it Copenhagen? It's a bridge from Denmark to Sweden. I cannot remember the name. Shame on me. Copenhagen to Sweden. Uh huh. There's just that one. It's a famous bridge. Orison Bridge. Orison Bridge. How far does that go? It's like goes for miles. It's eight kilometers, so it's a it's about five miles. Four. Okay. No. Uh, Orson Bridge. Uh, Sweden to Denmark. It is the longest combined road and rail bridge. Um, and it's five miles. Yeah. And it goes um, across the water. Um, yeah, it, it crosses the, uh, Orson Strait which is between Sweden and Denmark. Okay. Yeah, and the bridge is uh, eight kilometers, five miles. Okay, yes, okay. Oh, I see, okay. Oh, it was crazy. It was yeah. so much fun though. But yeah. yeah, so I mean, we just had the best time. So I was there, we went there, um, so I could go back to the little town where my grandmother came from. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. So had you, had, uh, had you known that your grandparents, your grandmother was from Sweden? I knew she was from Sweden because she talked about it. It was very difficult for her to come here by herself um, at only 19 years of age. She rode on a boat. It took them a month to cross. I mean, yeah. there was a lot to her story that was so powerful. And she said she always wanted to go back, but that it was too hard to leave the first time. And she had never gone back to see where her family members were buried after they passed. She had a sister that passed before she did. So when I went with uh, my friend Sarah... And we got to the cemetery. There was a gentleman there, um, Tommy Svensson, who knew that I wasn't just looking at gravestones. He could tell there was something more that I was looking for. And so he asked the graveskeeper to please open up the shop, if you will, um, this little office. And they pulled out the book and went all the way back through and found my grandmother's sister's name and where she was buried. Wow. So the, the cool part was as we're standing there, at her headstone, the bells in the church started ringing. And I felt like, you know, that old saying from It's a Wonderful Life, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. I felt like I was making this journey on behalf of my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And so it was a way to go back and revisit those people that she didn't get to see. It was so powerful. So your your grandmother was had passed by this time. Yes. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she passed when I was a teenager. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. All the grandparents had passed this. I think I want to say I made this trip like, gosh, I don't think it was that long ago. I want to say maybe like 2007 or eight that I went. I'm telling you. So one of those crazy things where you just say, okay, I'll have to go back and look. That was a while ago, 2007 or eight. Yeah. 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 Um, I actually had never gone back to Korea. Um, so I, I think thinking back, you know, back in 2017, when I did a bit of traveling, um, and I was in Asia, 
Um, I did not go to Korea and um, I actually wanted to go to Korea and Japan, but I didn't thinking that, oh, I'll go next time I'm out here. Uh, and that next time has not come yet. So <laughs> uh, you never yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad I did it. It's not anything I would have ever planned on doing. It seems so crazy. So out of the ordinary, who am I to be traveling there? You know, can I really afford this? And I just said, I can't pass this chance up. I mean, it was just, I stood in front of Buckingham Palace. I had found newspaper articles that my grandmother had clipped and saved of the queen. Um, and so I stood in front of Buckingham Palace and held up all those articles that she had felt there was so much value to. And I just really felt like, you know, I was revisiting those areas for her. Um, and then granted, yes, there were parts like Denmark, that was my where my mom's dad was from. So there were certain things that didn't apply, but I think the whole purpose of going was really in honor of my grandmother. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I think actually now thinking bad, I, I do regret not staying out there longer and, and going to Korea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, cause, um, I was already out there, you know, Right. it was a short plane ride to Korea and I could have stayed there for, you know, for a while and travel. Um, but I didn't yeah. I don't know why I, I'm sure I had a reason. I'm trying to remember like what the specific reasons were. <laughs> yeah. But, well, I know for myself, just the cost of staying longer. Although when I stayed it with Sarah, I mean, there was no cost there. Um, but it's, it's just the fact of being away from home, being away from, you know, naturally my kids, even though they were older and then she was in school. So it was important for her to maintain some kind of like, okay, it's been a fun visit. She took some time off, but she yeah. had to like really be hitting the books. So definitely yeah, I would love to stay longer. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I did, I did, oh, sorry, my no, you're good. Top shifted. Um, I mean, I did spend, you know, um, a chunk of money traveling, but I mean, in hindsight, it's like, you know, I don't think it would have made a bit necessarily a bigger dent or, you know, like noticeable dent than what Maybe. I had already made, you know, like, I, yes. yeah. There's but anyway, hindsight. <laughs> I know hindsight is twenty two. There you go. Now you have hindsight. You can say I was kind to myself and this is what I did and it was so worth it. That's right. So the hindsight is, uh, I should have stayed out there longer and made that trip. Hindsight right. is, hey, at least I made that trip. Exactly. <laughs> and, and a bunch of things I did that I never did before. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It is so, so true. I have, um, and it's funny because I have it sitting here. So I went to the little church that my grandmother was confirmed in and I, you can make a donation and then they had the little bracelets. And so I uh, made a donation and brought one of those home for myself. And I just think about like, oh my gosh, how cool is that? That's the actual building where she, where she went through her little confirmation, you know, and it's just like, that's something that she maybe would have never have thought anybody would have wanted afterwards, but it meant so much to me. And on days when I feel like, man, this is so crazy, you know, I'm starting my own business and it's during the pandemic. And what am I thinking of? And I don't know if I can do this. I'll pull out that bracelet and I'll wear it. I feel like my grandmother crossed the ocean by herself on a boat at 19. I could do this. 
you probably have a just listening to you talk about your grandmother you probably have a little bit of your grandmother's spirit in you yeah probably yeah you probably do yeah yeah uh so do you want to talk about your business a little bit or you want to save that for the next time oh no what i mean like where what time are we at where are we at with things uh time wise yeah yeah we're good all the, all the time in the world so, okay yeah. perfect yeah so my business i would love to um you know, Mutual Motivation is a company that I founded, interestingly enough, back almost 20 years ago, um, where I was taking a look at what can I do to help people. And it was everything from public speaking engagements to going into businesses and helping um, employers realize the things that they could do for their employees that weren't didn't fit in the normal business world. And then fast forward a little bit, my dad was getting close to passing. I was inheriting the house and different things I knew I had to be responsible for. So I went back to work at the bank. Um, fast forward now, almost that 20 year time span. And there was some corporate reorg and I had an opportunity to either take a severance package or stay. And I thought, hey, it is time to revisit almost a, um, 20 years and a day when I was, you know, starting off. So I thought perfect timing. And it was just using those principles that I saw that work so well. And, and what I mean by those principles is remembering that each and every person that walks through your door for your place of business is a valuable asset through the heart and core of your company. Um, so I do employee engagement and consulting and go into businesses and take a look at the ways that I can help them establish different programs and events. And um, just one-off things as well that employees are like, hey, you know what? Yes, I do make a difference. And it helps them increase their productivity. It helps the errors decrease. It changes the morale. There's a different energy, if you will. And in that, then customers see that. And then business flourishes. So I um, decided, okay, let's kick this off. And as you know, um, things were, you know, going pretty well. And then the pandemic had a little bit of a pushback. <laughs> and so it's saying like, all right, pivot, adjust. How do we, you know, do this improvise, adapt and overcome? Um, what does that look like? Definitely speaking engagements, you know, can be done um, in a different way, in different format with Zoom and things like that. Um, podcasts, uh, you know, another way to communicate, Facebook Live. I mean, there's so many different avenues out there. Um, but still, the ultimate goal for me is to actually go in and help implement those things so that it brings in that just positive, good energy and a good result to what's happening in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, more and more uh, corporate culture, business uh, or company culture uh, in um, companies and businesses are, is becoming more and more important. Um, yes. I think uh, important in the sense that I think more and more uh both on the part of the employees and also leadership um they're looking to improve the overall culture because they know that it has it does have an impact it's not it's not like the kind of you know it's not like it was like in the 50s i mean i don't right. really know what it was like in the 50s obviously but um uh but it's it's you know i guess people are looking at their place of employment as more than just earning a paycheck. 
Yes, of course, yeah. because that they spent more of their time there. And that was a thing that we used to talk about. And that was one of the things that when I first came on board and the position that I had was created for me um, was because they knew that I got people and, and how you move that needle and people want that reminder. And it's like when you're dedicated to walking that walk with them and truly listening and then putting in those things into action, they start seeing and feeling it. And it has such a positive impact. And then that's like that energy is contagious and it just ripples out like a stone in the water. And the next thing you know, there's like, even if it's a hard day, people have a different way of looking at it because they're like, oh my gosh, but someone really cares. And then that became really inspiring and encouraging for the leadership. And they said, well, look what we're doing here. And then it started spreading. And so I felt like, gosh, you know what? This is the perfect time to go out and do that for companies because people need that. And it's easy to get caught up in what's going on. That's not the best experience, or you can stop that and say, I can't change what's happening here, but these are the things I can do to make a difference. And gosh, darn it. That's where we're going to focus our energy. Marathon mentality. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So yeah. And, um, I think, uh, so where can people, do you want people to find you? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. You know what, actually yeah. you could, you could give me your, your, uh, your social media and website and okay. all that. I'll, I'll put it in the description. Um, actually, if you want Perfect. to say it out now, just say it. Sorry. What did I say? Well, I'm, no, that's okay. <laughs> I'm mutual-motivation.com. I, we joke about the dash. I think you first experienced that with me. We're building out my website. Thank you. Thank you um, for the great help and the great work. Um, but I was like, who doesn't want to dash to a place where it's like mutual, mutually motivating. Um, but uh, mutual motivation, mutual-motivation.com. And then I also have a page on Facebook and then one on Instagram and, um, you know, I just think an email coming my way is good as well. And just the opportunity to come out and meet with folks and have a chance to, you know, do a little needs assessment, what's going on. It could be a quick fix where it's just a one day event, or it could be a big recognition program or rewards program. I, we cover all the bases. There you go. Yeah. So I think we'll end there. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a good place to end. So thank you everyone for listening. Uh, you can find uh, Beer Cake with JJ Co on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I don't have a website, but you should go to anchor.fm and Spotify and listen to this episode and all my previous episodes. Subscribe and get notified in future episodes. And uh, with that, uh, thanks, everyone. Thank you so much, Don, for doing this. It was wonderful having you here. Oh, thank you, JJ, for having me. And thanks, everyone. And just have the very best of your day and, and look forward to being having a chance to be on again. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye.